What's up, guys? Welcome in to your Wednesday, October 5th edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It's your Wednesday episode, so you know that means Jared Mueller will be joining us from Dogs by Nature. He does a great job over there. If you did not know, he switched recently, got uh, a great role running the website uh, over at SB. So um, continue to check that out. Pumped to have Jared on. Um, not, not really much going on at the OBR. Did a chalk talk today. We put up some stuff, analytics review that we always do. Stock up, stock down. Uh, went up. I did put up the film room for the goal line failures and why I think they happened and how they happened uh, and, and what I had an issue with. So that's all available if you'd like to check those things out. And again, we went through O-line and some of the offense and chalk talk. We did not get to the defense, unfortunately, as John Stephenson had parent-teacher conferences. So he couldn't join me. But nonetheless, I think a lot of good content around what happened in this game, a very winnable game. We welcome in Jared now. Uh, I, I would say, Jared, first, thanks for joining, brother. Second, like, you know, it's uh, it's another loss where you look at it, you know, seven pass completions against you, uh, you go for 400 yards, you run 71 plays, you have a couple turnovers, but, you know, not not really like a, a huge turnover for It's just a game that they should have won, man, and it speaks to how tight, I've been saying it for days now on this pod, how tight the margin for error is, and they just don't have an, uh, enough to overcome those mistakes. And I don't know if it, it's like... Uh, it's a few plays here and a few plays there. So I'm not saying they don't have enough. They have weapons. They obviously are going to get a better weapon at quarterback back later on, but it's, um, it's a frustrating loss again, though. Not as frustrating as the Jets loss, but <laughs> nonetheless, a loss that you're looking at it going days away from it now where it just doesn't make sense. It, it really, that's, a, that's, a tough <laughs> that's the best way to say it. Like it doesn't make sense. Uh, the better team lost the team that commanded the, the game lost. Right. Things that just shouldn't happen. And and there, you know, obviously it's it's fun to try to find blame, but there's just so many little pieces of the puzzle. You know, I, I think the David and Joku play, the Wyatt Teller hold, like those two probably are the two biggest, like quote unquote plays. The third one will be, you know, that long reception and then the Denzel Ward uh face mask to add on to that forty two yarder or whatever it was. So I mean, again, it it doesn't make sense. A few big plays that you know, shouldn't define a game, but they do. Um, you know, for me, in the end, I think as the defense continues to struggle, it feels like hero ball continues to be problem after problem after problem where, you know, you and John and all of you can break down film, but I'm just watching a bunch of defenders who are so desperate to be the one that makes the play. And so, you know, on I love, I actually used your tweet of the, uh, the that counter play or the, the what looked like a wide zone with kind of the wrap back. And it was, you know, there were seven of the the eight box defenders were on the right side of the right hash with one over on the left side where the run was actually going. Like there's just too many players who want to make a play. It, it seems like a lot of players who really do care, but there's obviously some, some players whose discipline football IQ, like, again, I can't really say it's one of those two things or another, but just don't stay disciplined to what they should be doing. And when you talk coaching and all that, you can't, no coaches teach what we saw on tape there, right? Even on that touchdown run in the red zone to Cardale Patterson, everybody just dove inside. And even Denzel Ward didn't kind of set the edge. He set kind of a short edge thinking he could outrun Cordell Patterson uh, and kind of close off that the, the outside. They just don't seem to be playing disciplined ball. And it really doesn't matter who you're, who's coaching you when you can't do that. That doesn't mean Joe Woods isn't doing, you know, need, needs to kind of tighten things up uh, and can make some better decisions there. 
I just feel like there's so many little things. David Njoku said it's 100% fixable, and I actually agree with him. But the question is, is it fixable and still good enough when you're facing the Justin Herberts of the world, the Bill Belichick run kind of Patriots, and then everybody else that seems like kind of a gauntlet with the the Bengals and the Ravens and the Dolphins and the Buccaneers, and I'm missing a team in there. But, you know, it, it might be all fixable, and I actually think most of it actually is. doesn't mean they're going to fix it. But even if they fix it, is it good enough without really that kind of dynamic weapon on offense, like we talked about, with, or like you talked about with Deshaun Watson? Is it really actually fixable in a good enough way uh, to to make a run? Because these tough games, this is not a team, at least starting next year, that needs to be looking at a schedule and worrying about who they're playing. They need to win games against good teams, and I'm just not sure that's the team this year. Hopefully, in in, in the following years. I think it's all very fair. I think there are a lot of, you know, this show that you and I do here is built around questions, questions that keep coming up, questions mm-hmm. that matter. And I think there are a fair number of those questions, which your your question there is, is great. You know, is it even if you fix the little minor things, right? Which at this point, I don't know. I listen to Kevin talk. I haven't always listened to Joe Woods because he's a bit more sporadic and it's tough to know when he's going to have have conversations and you don't hear the position coaches all the time, but there is a, an attention to detail that misses, you know, like for example, small examples you're talking about right there. They run a zone concept to the left side with Cordero Patterson, just, just a gun, a pistol zone run. And Denzel is like, I mean, Rochelle is there for, for, for an, all you have to do is box him in, stay outside man and box him in. And there you have help inside, but he cheats inside and it's a bounced touchdown. That's an attention to detail thing, a very minor thing, but an attention to detail thing. Several times defensively, they'd have defensive tackles shooting into a similar gap, like slanting back into another defensive tackle. Again, attention to detail on offense. We broke down tonight. There's a wide zone play. The play, the first down series uh, in the in the first and it's first and 10 from the 12 in that first opening drive. And they run a wide zone concept that has great potential. But as Donovan Peoples-Jones motions over, the slot overhang uh, inside of Anthony Schwartz is clearly cheating inside to set the edge, rush off the edge or set the edge. And and Peoples-Jones just doesn't take him. He comes free and it's a blown up run play. Both him and Schwartz chase the same guy uh, and let one go. And it's like, this is what I'm talking about. I feel like everything about Kevin and Depot and and like just the way they're wired feels like they're super detail oriented. You would talk to to Kevin and and uh, you know, like I said, Andrew Barry and deep and you'd be like, this these guys pay attention to every single thing. But there's something that's going on with getting the guys to do it, and I don't really know, Jared. And it's a problem because you feel like there are some sloppy head coaches out there. Like you know, I'm not trying to be me, but like. You could see Dan Campbell glossing over things. There are guys out there who you could see like McCarthy or just just people that you hear them talk or you're like, oh, I could see them not hitting those details. But it feels like the Browns people that matter do. I guess it's a funneling to position coaches and how well they do it, because ultimately that's who guys spend the most time with. I, I don't know, man, but there is a massive like like five or six plays a game, Jared, and it happens to every team. I'm, I'm not saying it's isolated to Cleveland, but it could be even higher where it's like, there's just this one little mistake that if they just did it this way, 
And there's so many examples. I named a few back there a second ago, but there's just so many examples of like, does this group do the little things right? And I don't feel like they do all the time. Yeah. And it's actually one of the, one of my burning questions for tonight is, and I think it all kind of fits together is, you know, are they too worried about upside and youth, right? We talked, we've talked in the past, uh, I believe it was on, on our show together, you know, about Grant Delpit instead of, you know, getting Winfield Jr. You know, he got Delpit young, faster, bigger, stronger. Winfield's older, shorter, not as fast, but very intelligent, right? And so I think there is a piece of this whole puzzle where when you think of players being out of position, players not being disciplined, making these kind of mistakes, unfortunately, I don't know that these are measurable, right? When you think think about the wonder lick and, you know, some of those kind of things, I'm just not sure these type of things are that measurable. I don't think this Browns organization would draft, and I don't know why he's always my guy on this, but uh, Miami linebacker Zach Thomas, one of the smartest uh, most intelligent middle linebackers. Um, I believe he played middle linebacker most of his time. Like he's not the analytics kind of guy. And so I, I don't say that to try to minimize what they're doing there. It makes sense what they're doing, but I just think sometimes they value that stuff just a little bit more. Right. And so, and then even with the youth thing, you know, it, you just don't have enough of those solid kind of veterans. This is weirdly a very young team. And so there's just so much of that youth and upside that needs to start turning over into grizzled veteran at year three or four so that they really aren't making these mistakes. They're able to make up for each other's mistakes, all of that kind of stuff. But there's just so much constant turnover with the, the bottom of the roster. And there's so much focus on athleticism and talent and and some of those measurable things that Every once in a while, I just think they might overlook a little bit, right? As what I would say could be a great tiebreaker, the tiebreaker tends to go towards the youth and the athleticism and not maybe the football IQ and what we see on the field. I think it's fair. And I think that ties into another question that we have coming uh, up. We got got a ton of them. We got some really good ones here we're going to discuss. We're going to take our first break uh, and then we will dive into those questions when we get back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250k in cash alone. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. 
You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code, which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. Okay, so as we're going through this, we're going to put this question up first, and and I think it 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 builds off of, you know, what you were just talking about. I think that is a very fair concern. Are they prioritizing age, uh, position, uh, some of those things in the draft, and not paying attention to the cerebral part of understanding what it takes to play? You know, paying too much attention to the physical upside, all of that. And I know you have to do that to an extent. Mm-hmm. But does a guy have the mental makeup to figure things out and be a detail-oriented football player? Younger guys, less exposure, less snaps, all of that plays into it. So, yeah, maybe there's a balance there that they could find over time. Um, you're, you're, you know, you're spot on about about that. I think, though, in this scenario, my question becomes, you know, it's pretty clear that Cleveland is depth limited. Right. I think it's it's pretty clear in a lot of positions. Wide receiver, obviously, they don't really have a third tight end. They've been playing with six O linemen because they don't really have a third tight end. Um, you know, Miller Forrestall's out and around, but he's not a guy they want on the field all too much. And, and neither then, was Jesse James when he wasn't hurt. A hundred percent. And then you switch to defense. The defensive tackle group was so bad yesterday, Sunday, whatever, what day of the week it is, Sunday. It was really bad. Their depth is limited. If you get past Miles and Clowney, that's bad. And I get it. Not every NFL roster is going to have a bunch. You can only have so many guys. I get it. But my thing becomes, you know, I guess I guess where I'm at, Jared, and this it's not really a burning question. It's more of a perspective to start here. The Browns are clearly very conscious of every every single dollar spent right now because they are very calculated in how they're going to roll over money to afford Miles, Denzel, the two guards, Nick, the quarterback's gigantic sum of money. So they're operating in this method right now of they're essentially operating uh, on the idea that, and you might be frustrated with this as a fan, they're operating under next year's salary cap because they're trying to roll money into the future to have money for everything they need, maybe a piece here or there, uh, and that limits them this year, right? Because what you would like to have done, Jared, is spend. They have a lot of free. They have a lot of money right now. They mm-hmm. do have a lot of cap uh, figure money, but they're calculating how they want to roll that into paying for a lot of contracts coming up. And what you would say is that's great if you have a quarterback who can make up for things. And I said this on Sunday night's recap pod. You know the margin for error for the Browns is super tight right now. That margin expands when you have a quarterback that can make things happen. Go watch the bills, go watch the Ravens, go watch these teams with great quarterbacks. They just make up for it. They break a tackle, they scramble, they make a throw that you couldn't even fathom. That's how it works. That's just how it works. 
because once the quarterback makes 45 million against the cap, you do have to cut back on everything else. So they need to elevate everything around. And the Browns are playing 11 games under the operation of that, Jared, under the operation of saving right. money to, to pull things forward. Well, if they were playing a season with Jacoby Brissett, maybe they go sign and Dominican too. Maybe they go sign T Y Hilton. These are just examples. I'm not saying they should or shouldn't. I'm just saying these are these, th- that money might be used right now that would be used to pursue players that matter to this season and the depth would be better. So, you know, an Anthony Harris, right? Like that, that's the paradox of this season. They're trying to, to, to get the most out of their guys. And they have a lot of dudes. They have a lot of dudes on this team, but you can see where the glaring weak spots are. And you might as a fan say, oh, they got all this cap space, but that cap space is being rolled into the future for a very specific reason. And when you do that, though, it limits and like, okay, we could expand the margin for error around Jacoby Brissett in this situation, but that means we're hurting ourselves into the future. So they can't do that. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's yeah, just like it's yeah, a weird what you're saying. Yeah, at. they're they have a roster built for a $230 million quarterback with a $5 million quarterback. And they knew this all along. They definitely knew it. They definitely knew what they were getting into with these 11 games. I'm sure that's why they're super frustrated right now because they knew they could have won these four. Even without Miles and Clowney, they should have won this game Sunday. So they're frustrated. I get it. Everyone's frustrated. And that leads us to our first big question. That are fans too focused on the short term? Well, the (laughs) team's long-term vision goals are kind of setting things up for down the line. You know, this includes... Yeah, the word fanatic is so right, man. Like it's, if something goes wrong on a Sunday, you don't understand that there's 17. I mean, it's just, we want everything, everyone fired and it's just knee jerk reaction stuff. But I think you do need to have some perspective about why they maybe didn't go get some of those veteran depth pieces that you wanted a a Sheldon Richardson or somebody, why they didn't do those things and how those things are setting up for, Hey, if we have this identical roster, we think we now have a quarterback who can help us overcome it. And we want to roll money into the future to pay for the first and second year of some of these big contracts so that when those contracts lighten up down the road, we can afford other pieces to fit around. And it's like, I get you're frustrated, but this is the thing that I think they were prepared for this. And to my point, they knew that, hey, a plausible outcome here is that we go four and seven to start the year. A plausible outcome is it doesn't go very well. We're going to stay this course. We're going to stay the course. And I think that, like, to me, everybody's living and, and dying with these first four games because you're so afraid of the upcoming schedule. I just don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. I think they think they can win some games they maybe shouldn't have won, so on, that, that people don't think they should have won, so on and so forth. So um, I get it, man. You can be frustrated, but I do think you have to step back and try to understand why they're doing And again, we could evaluate this, Jared, in five years. and. It's like, well, that was horrible. The way they went about that was horrible. <laughs> but we're trying to get perspective, right? Like, that's that's the thing. I think that's important. And I, I want your opinion on that, too. Like, if that clearly the vision we see here is there, like, it's just, is it, do you think it's going to work out? I guess is the question. Yeah, I mean, I do think the, the fans are a little too short-term, short-sighted right now, you know, looking at each game, living and dying with them. Listen, I get it, like, what no matter what, like full-time jobs, all the different things that you and I have done in the sports media world, like we're still fans at kind of our core and we love the sport and we love the team and we want the team to do well, all of that kind of stuff. And, and listen, 
a vast majority of sports media, local sports media is that way as well. So whatever they pretend to be. But yeah, I think for fans, it was, I, you know, and I, I hadn't thought about it until right now. I think really the defining moment was the de- the Jadavion Clowney signing. Because everything else was long-term this offseason. You know, there was a lot of long-term moves outside of, you know, Mac Wilson for Chase Winovich. Like, who cares? But the Jadavion Clowney was the interesting one because that's a win-now move where it amidst a, a lot of win-later kind of moves, right? They traded down in the second round into the third round. They took a kicker in the fourth round. Like, uh, great, Cade York, fine, all that good stuff. But the only move that was really a win now, literally for 2022, was Jadavion Clowney. Everything else you can point to was about the future. They traded down. They traded for picks later, you know, for next year, all of that kind of stuff. Even Baker Mayfield's trade got him a 2024 pick. But that clowning move really feel, felt like, oh, they think they can actually win right now because they just spent, you know, whatever his end up is going to be. I know it's, you know, a weird contract. Yeah. But the reality is I do think at some level this is a bonus year for the Browns. Fans don't want to hear Even it. It's Cooper, living too. We should say Cooper was like, well, maybe that was just too good a deal to pass up. They're it like, was. And I mean, he's but, got a three-year contract. Three years. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So. You know, in the end, I think it was too big, too good to pass up. Gives you a number one receiver. He'll get some time with Watson, all that good stuff. I think, you know, in some level for this organization, it's about can we get a Super Bowl championship? Not can we get a Super Bowl championship this year? Not can we make the playoffs this year? Not any of those things. Like, yeah, they want to do all of that because it works their way towards the Super Bowl. But it is a big picture looking kind of organization fans don't want to hear it because they're paying their money. They're spending their time. They're spending their energy, but we're spending our time, our energy and all that to enjoy football. And hopefully fans can enjoy football, even when there are sometimes losses right now, these losses have, have been terrible. The jets was horrible. The Falcons wasn't as bad like you talked about, but in the end, it's just enjoy football because for this organization, it they're not in win now mode. And Dominican Sue wants to come here. He also wants like $8 million or something. You know, um, there are a variety of other players that they could have brought in at decent salaries and, and they're just not in win now mode with Jacoby Brissett. Um, and so instead that's part of the play, the younger guys be okay with some of the limitations. Don't just sign a, a defensive tackle that is, you know, part time or, or whatever, because we want to see if we can develop some of these younger guys and later, whether it's next year's draft in the second round or in free agency when we can, we'll sign some guys. But for now, let's see what we got with these young guys, because whatever we get this year, whether it's the playoffs, whether it is, you know, a late run with Watson is really kind of a bonus year because 11 games is a significant hit um, for a guy who won't have played football for basically two years by the time he comes back. Yeah, I think that's a really good question, angle, and perspective to try to give people. And that might, listen, all the years of baggage make it hard for people to just accept it. You know, we were, <laughs> there's years of baggage before they even went the tankathon route that led to Baker Mayfield. And then you thought you got crawled out of that muck with Baker Mayfield. And then, you know, you make the playoffs and you see where you can go. And it's like, oh, but this is the severe limitation with this quarterback. And it's like, I get it, man. I totally get it. Win is enough enough. And you're asking a fair question there. And like, you know, you want to win these games now and you want to make the playoffs this year. And you're fully aware that Watson's coming and he's going to make the franchise better. Very, very likely going to make them better. 
but you you want these games. I get it. I tr- I truly mm-hmm. do. But yeah, there is some analysis of like why they don't have better depth and what are they doing with that money. And you're like, well, okay, if you post the NFL salary cap leaders right now, the Browns have the most <laughs> money. But that's not really true because that money is accounted for into the future. And if they were to go out and spend eight on on Sue and you know go sign some other edge or, or another wide receiver. That money is gone into the future, and even as the cap goes up, I, I, I do. There's some things where you can you can refute trusting these guys, but I do think the understanding of where the money gets spent in the future for certain players that have money that kicks in down the line, I do feel like they have a nice feel for that. Now, does that mean they pick the right free agents? I don't know. We're going to talk about another free agent that they have mm-hmm. signed that's here in just a second, but. That's like the picture of what they're doing. I don't know if it's going to be right, guys. I don't. And I'm not paid to tell you whether I think it's going to be predicting into the future. I just I watch it and I and I analyze it. And and that's where they're at, in my opinion. And this year, to your point, they're trying to win. They think they have enough talent to win, but they also understand where they're vulnerable and where some games could get away from them. And again, if they close out the Jets and they close out the Falcons, they're 4-0 and we're having a completely different discussion. Games that they should have won. So it's not like the plan has them getting blown out right now. They're right there. They're right there. So we're going to take one more quick break. And then, um, you know, once we once we take that quick break, we're going to come back and hit on a couple key questions about player performance. And then we'll wrap this thing up. So we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. All right, so here's this is it's probably just one question to close, Jared. Um, and it's a big question, though. You know, what I think I am really, really frustrated with is the performance of players who we think should be pretty good. You know, Grant <laughs> Delpit has been inconsistent. JOK clearly has the talent to be an extremely gifted football player and has flashed it. Um, you know, Denzel has made his contract he's he's done some great things but he's not really viewed as the elite tier uh, and i think that's understandable right now um i guess my my general question is we'll start here uh, are they getting enough out of the players and i'm talking both sides of the football i feel like the offense is you could have you could have gone after david and joku a little bit but i think he's starting to really find his stride and figuring it out here but like are they getting the most out? Cause like, okay, Grant Delpit goes to green Bay. See different player, you know, like John Johnson's the crux of what I'm asking here. He is just not the same guy. And they brought, and I get it. He's playing a little more deep than he is uh, forward as he was in LA. But when he's forward, he's not the same guy. He's just, he's, he's not, he's not, he doesn't play hard. 
So like if you take John Johnson, he gets cut tomorrow. He gets traded back to LA like Troy Hill did. Are they different players? I, I guess. Do you feel like they're getting the most out of these guys? Cause sometimes I'll turn on like new England or some other team. New England's tough cause they have the greatest coach of all time, but there are some other just franchises where I'll turn it on and I'll be like, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> that just is just playing so well. Or you watch the Rams and they have, some some fifth round pick that you're like, how on earth? These guys haven't had a pick in like the first day in two years, but they find these guys in the fourth and fifth round that are just contributors. So I, I think that the evaluation of Joe Woods, which you might want him fired right now out there, but but he's not going to be let go until the end of the year, if at all. But my question is, are they getting enough out of these guys? And I don't know that I can say with certainty that they are, especially when you look at like Togiai, and I don't think the some of these guys I think are okay, but but I'm like, man, when I'm watching some of those reps yesterday, it's the question is, Jared, is it a player skill issue or are they not getting the most out of them? What's your hunch on it? You know, I think it's a great question. I always end up going back to the player in, in a lot of ways. Um, John Johnson's a great example. This is a guy who was considered elite and a leader and just doesn't seem to be that right. Like, you know, I follow him on Instagram for whatever reason, and he'll, he'll share a post from the Browns kind of thing. But a lot of his posts are about whatever restaurant or bar that he opened. And I'm not saying that actually means anything, but it just seems like last year's dysfunction, you know, last year, the best way I can say it is last year, there was divisions in the locker room. Uh, We saw that with all the Odell and Baker and all that stuff. There's there was divisions this offseason, the Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield stuff. There is divisions in that locker room, and it just feels like there's not a ton of players who are all in. And then there are players who kind of have that try hard thing going, that hero ball thing going. It just feels like it. And again, I think it is a lot on the defense, but I don't know. It's hard to tell what Joe Woods, what the position coaches could specifically do differently for players like, again, John Johnson. Yes, he could play forward a little bit more, but they don't have a free safety. That's on Andrew Barry. Uh, they just cut Lich- Richard LeCount, who, by the way, was also lauded for his leadership at Georgia, had discipline problems when he got to Cleveland last year. Um, there just feels like there is a disconnect with within that entire kind of locker room, um, and which which that kind of stuff can lead to some of the discipline things we've seen. Uh, some of the inconsistency you just talked about. There's just so many things there that the talent is there. Joe Woods has been a good defensive coach and coordinator in the past. Um, I think Jason Tarver is a good linebacker coach. Uh, I think Kiffin is a good defensive line coach from what I know. Um, And the other guy, I can't think of Jeff, whatever his last name is. Like, I think he's an up and coming DB coach, Jeff Howard. Um, Good gracious. How much information is in our heads uh, <laughs> <laughs> to pull all of those off. But in the end, you know, those, you know, the sum does not equal the parts basically. And when that happens, unfortunately, again, it's not going to happen during the season. Unfortunately, that might mean next year there needs to be an overhaul on the defensive side of the ball. I think you're right on offense, right? Wyatt Teller became great. James Hudson looks, pr- looked pretty good at right tackle. Right. So Bill Callahan, Kevin Stefanski are doing their thing there. 
Um, you know, Amari Cooper has come in and looked pretty good. AJ Terrell's shut him down. David Njoku has developed as really the true number two receiver on the team. Uh, and then obviously the running backs have just been great. So it really is on the defensive side of the ball. And again, putting blame on it's him, it's him, it's him. Listen, Tarver takes over as defensive coordinator. Well, he's been doing, they're going to have to use Joe Woods's playbook, right? And and Tarver's been a part of, you know, dealing with the linebackers and all that who have had their own struggles. So pretend like any in-season move is going to do anything. It just does feel like too many uh, parts that just aren't working together really well. And you just wonder the one person that was supposed to be the leader, supposed to be this big signing to kind of bring everything together, John Johnson. He wanted Odell Beckham Jr. to stick around. Maybe isn't as bought in. Uh, maybe isn't as as much of the leader. Maybe he hasn't been empowered to be the leader. And so he doesn't look like John Johnson that got signed to the big contract and that PFF had as like their number two safety in the league prior to that. I'm with you. I, I just... I don't understand how sometimes, and it's there's a checkered past of this, which has nothing to do with the current regime. There just is this thing where some of these free agent signings that Cleveland gets, they just don't produce, or uh, th- these fringe players, you know, what are those depth guys doing? Are they developing? Are they contributors? And I think it's cause for concern if the defense is getting the most out of the talent that they've been given. Because, like, to me, I could see some pieces on this group that would like arrive with a different helmet on and they just feel like they'd be playing differently. And I don't really know why I feel that way. I just sort of do. I just feel like they're not getting the most out of them. And I don't know if that's always putting them into the best situation alignment and, and, and assignment wise, but I don't know. It's frustrating because you'll watch like what Pittsburgh does with TJ Watt. And there's no doubt Cleveland could do a similar approach with a five-man front, you know, a three-four is essentially a five-two. A similar thing with Miles, where you can dictate some pressure things and help him out a little bit. So, I don't know, man. I just it's a fair, it's a fair question to ask, and I think a lot of people have a right to ask it. Is is are they maximizing all of that talent on defense? And I, I just don't know that they are. And it's hard to pin down who is always to blame. John Johnson not doing the prep? Is he not trying as hard? It's hard, but that question is is certainly a very fair question. So uh, I think that's it, Jared. We've asked a lot of hard ones, and we're all in a bit of a, uh, you know, uh, I guess tumult is probably the word for it, where we don't, we, we know kind of where they're going, but there's a lot of mystery about what this looks like by the end of the year. I don't think Kevin Stefanski is going anywhere. I do think it's certainly plausible that they have some hard decisions. He has some hard decisions to make about people that are important to him who have been his Mm -hmm. friends and have uh, been a part of his coaching journey about whether he wants to keep them or not. Uh, I think that is what is looming. And I have no doubt about Stefanski, I think as a leader, I have no doubt about him calling an offense. I just have some curiosity about, Hey, this defense thing is like a, it's like a thorn in your side, man, that, they, that he can't get it where it needs to. Are you willing to do that? And it might be an ultimatum from the owner to make it easy, but that's that's <laughs> yeah. where. And again, I thought and I, I don't even think this was a game to go after Joe Woods. I thought he did OK. I thought their scheme was OK. He blitzed a lot more. He played a lot more man. He changed what they do, the goal line off and stuff. But I just am looking at. You know, are they getting the most out of certain guys? And I just don't know. So I think yeah. that's where I sit. And I think. In the end, 
it's about the results, but it's about the long-term results, right? It's about this season. The team doesn't have, oh, he turned over. Like, we've had the same coaching staff. This is the third year, right? You wonder if, you know, a bum Phillips is wants to get in with this team and say, okay, I'm coming on board. Let's go, right? And, and so for fans of both the Cavs and the Browns, you know, at some level, Deshaun Watson is going to need to be LeBron James. But a lot of that championship team was built – prior to that. And so, you know, the Kyrie's and the, the Tristan Thompson's and, you know, all that, like those were guys that were on the team. They struggled, they lost a lot, but once you add that kind of final piece and, and maybe again, I'll just use, you know, bum Phillips, maybe bum Phillips is the Ty Lue to Joe Woods is David Blatt. Right. And so you bring in that right veteran defensive coordinator, who's going to focus on all the details and get things right along with bringing in Deshaun Watson. But the reality is, is, you're exactly right. Simple, dumb mistakes. And this team is 4-0. We're not having these conversations. We'd be worried, wondering if they could stop players, you know, stop teams that are really good and all that stuff. But it wasn't, this wasn't, this isn't teams of old where you're like, man, if they could have just scored two more touchdowns, right? Like this is teams yeah. like, just, yeah. you know, don't let guys go wide open three different plays. Don't, you know, miss an onside kick. Like, it is literally down to that. So it's just a different thing. And when you expect 4-0 and and get 2-2 two and two, as the games went, it's a lot of frustration. It's not a very fun week. Like, loser Monday is what I called it. I don't think that's the good one. But it really felt it felt like loser Monday has become into a kind of loser week. It has, man. And I, and I think I, th- I think you start to have quite – that's the thing. And I can I just got to say it again. If you have a heroic player at quarterback, you, you, you win that game. And it's not to knock Brissett, who was fine for the most part, but you just like who can create changing play, game-changing plays. And you win that game 27-23 or something of the sort. So that's the difference, right? That's why, you, that's why those guys get so much money and all of that. But it doesn't – I don't think it changes what are some fair questions being asked. And I think we've asked yep. a lot of fair questions in this and given some thoughts on it, hopefully giving you some perspective on – uh, what the Browns may be doing with that money that's lingering and why they maybe didn't go as as aggressively with uh, you know, the approach of helping these 11 games a bit more because they have a bigger picture in mind. And again, that bigger picture could backfire. It could They could not even be able to see it. Something could happen. The fickle owner could pull the trigger and say, you guys are done. Like it, You never know with Jimmy Haslam. So, uh, But I think it is worthwhile to have discussions around why certain players aren't here that you think could help and why they're playing some of these young guys and all of that. So um, frustrating times. I get it, but I think there's, uh, there's a chance, uh, that they could still perform well in the next two weeks here, chargers and Patriots and be four and two. And if they get to four and two, that's like where they were supposed to be when you looked at the schedule. So, um, you know, a lot to play for here. It's not all over. It's just, there are some questions that are festering and I think we, we nailed them, Jared. Thanks for joining today, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep up all the great work over there at the OBR and, uh, get some rest sometimes, man. Try to. I'll try to. Likewise, and back to you. So that's a wrap for today. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed this discussion. We'll be back with Jordan Zerm to look around the NFL tomorrow. So keep your eye out for that. Kind of have some discussions around the Browns a little bit, but really look around the league and talk about players, uh, you know, teams and players that are performing well, because I like to have that midweek break before we switch to looking at the next game with John Colosimo on Friday. So thanks again to Jared. Thanks again to you guys for being here, stopping by, continuing to check out the OBR. Make sure you do, again, check out Jared's work at Dogs by Nature and make a visit over to that website as well because I have no doubt Jared will continue to uh, to bring excellence wherever he goes. So thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great Wednesday. And go Browns.